0: Hi, a few minutes late, but here we are. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream, not on a Thursday, but today it's for Friday, April 29th, 2022. Hello to everybody watching us on Twitch and YouTube right now. Hello to everybody listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders podcast network. Uh, We are here to recap the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Please feel free to ask us questions live during the show. We will answer them. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe to the show. Perhaps you are listening to us specifically because this is the draft podcast slash live stream and you don't listen normally, in which case you should definitely listen on an every week basis. Normally we're doing this Thursdays and you should definitely like and subscribe to the show. My guests today to talk about the first round of the draft are, first of all, our Football Outsiders draft experts, Mike Tanier and Derek Klassen. And then Benjamin Robinson from Mocking the Drafts, who is here to tell us how it went. And how it went was actually less surprising than you might think. It, it, the draft was surprising, I think, only in compared to uh, where players may have been ranked like three months ago. Yeah, cool. And then maybe a little bit of the order and the veteran trades, which we'll get to. Like yeah. it, the most surprising part of the draft was not any pick. It was the veteran trades. But 30 out of 32 team, uh, 30 out of 32 players in the grinding the mocks final 32, 30 players went in the first round. And the other two were Cole Strange. (laughs) Well, the opposite, like the two who dropped. Who are the two who dropped into the second round? I'm assuming one is Malik Willis. So one is Malik Willis,
1: quarterback from Liberty because of, you know, there's only one quarterback drafted. I expect that to be many more today. Um, And the other is Andrew Booth, cornerback from Clemson, who um, it seems has quite a good amount of medical issues. Mm. Um, There were teams like the Cincinnati Bengals at the end of the first round or even the Minnesota Vikings who could have drafted him as well. Um, So, but yeah, in my final uh, Football Outsiders mock draft, I had him falling out of the first round too. Uh, But the draft was way more shocked than we thought. you know, I saw more than a few tweets out there saying – this draft is the most unpredictable it's been in years. And in fact, it was more predictable than last year's draft, which was also pretty predictable in terms of the first round. So I think we need to retire that tired phrase and uh, lean into some data.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess the most unpredictable thing was, hey, nobody took quarterbacks, but then we were really only expecting two quarterbacks to go in the first round. And instead one went and we knew Pittsburgh was going to take one. So the only really surprising thing with that is, that some other team didn't take Malik Willis. But other than that, uh, who were the two players who climbed into the first round who were unexpected? One was obviously Cole Strange, the guard that the Patriots took.
1: And the other is Lewis Seen, safety from Georgia, who went 32 to the Minnesota Vikings, who I had in, in my mock draft at uh, Football Outsiders going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But um, you know he was the 34th ranked player on the grinding the mocks board. So we did really well last night. I'm very pleased with the results. There was no kind of Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa situation that we had last year where everyone's talking, oh, my God, oh, my God, how is this happening? We knew Andrew Booth had that issue, and so it wasn't as big a surprise when that happened. But for me, I had expected 25 or 26 players from my top 32 to be in the top 32. So to have 30 is, uh, is a huge,
0: huge win for me. A uh, useful title asks if we saw Sean McVay's reaction to the strange pick. Yes. For those who have not seen the video, the Rams were giving a sort of silly press conference of to, where they basically just got on stage and said, Hey, remember how we had no picks in the first round? Right. Well, guess what? We didn't take anyone with the picks we didn't have. <laughs> and they asked about Cole strange and McVay basically said, we were totally looking at him in the fourth round. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm
2: torn between that's a, a great gag and Bill Belichick just holding up the ring and say, yeah, Sean, come see me
0: in the Super Bowl again, big guy. Come talk Yeah, to me. well, you know? I mean, Sean's got one of his own now. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Belichick has more, but McVeigh has the more recent one.
2: Right, true, true.
0: Uh, I think the other sort of the surprise thing is that's not a surprise. Like we talked about, oh, unpredictable. Okay, yeah, unpredictable compared to three months ago. But at this point, we all basically knew that Travon Walker was going to be the first pick. Right. So for those people who have not had a chance to hear your impressions of that pick, Mike and Derek, give give your thoughts on Travon Walker as the number one pick.
3: Hated it. You go, Derek. <laughs> I, I, I did not hate it as much in this class. Um, so for me, Trayvon Walker was more of like a in a normal class, this is the type of player that goes in like the late teens or the early 20s because he's a super athletic. Um, You know, has a really interesting profile, but he's not going to be all the way there as an edge rusher right now. The thing is, Aiden Hutchinson, to me, is not a typical number one overall pick. Um, It didn't seem like they were going to go one of the tackles, so you could mark that off the board. And for whatever reason, it seemed like they weren't going to go Thibodeau, even though I thought Thibodeau was the best player in the class. So given the situation they kind of put themselves in, I didn't hate it. It's just it's it's a much riskier pick than the typical number one overall pick.
2: You know, before we went on, we were talking about the Raiders not picking up the fifth-year option, and Claylen Farrell came up. And we all agree Claylen Farrell was completely overdrafted, but here was this guy who was C who was a good run defender, who we always heard how good his run defense is when when Gruden was trying to defend them and all. I can't shake the uh, the, the idea that Trayvon Walker is the Claylen Farrell that we all talked ourselves into. Or, you know, we heard the insiders talk about him, and he rose up the board on that, and next thing you know, Balky loved him, that we're going to be – again, two or three years from now, looking at this five-and-a-half sack season and talking about, yeah, but look how he set the edge on that one running play that one time. you know, and That's not what you talk about with your first overall pick or your fourth overall pick in Farrell's case, and that's not the kind of value you want with that pick.
0: I understand that Walker was number one in our sacks projections, right. so it's weird for me to say that I would not have taken him number one overall, but the difference between him and Hutchinson and Thibodeau was less – than one sack in five years and when you combine that with the film study and with the stats that we don't include in sacks here because we don't have enough years of them but the stats that sports info solutions and pro football focus have started to keep over the last three or four years like pass rush get off numbers and pressures as opposed to just sacks and win rate. when you look at all that stuff the production is so much lower for him yeah than it is for hutchinson or thibodeau that i feel like that makes up the difference of the one sack over five years like i mean if everything works for the jaguars with this pick given that we all thought that hutchinson in particular i think is a very high floor kind of guy mm-hmm. like if it all works out, he's slightly better than Hutchinson and Thibodeau. All right, all
2: right. He's if it works out spectacularly, he's Cam Jordan, I guess. I mean, is that the a good place to go with it? Which would be a heck of a player, certainly. But that that's a that's the absolute max of the max.
3: Yeah, it's probably something like Cam Jordan. The one thing I would say that like I, I don't know if it complicates uh, Walker's profile necessarily, but like he actually can drop out and play in playing coverage, which I think is really important with as much um just the way the defenses are moving now where they're more willing to play these bigger outside linebackers who can drop a little bit so I don't know how much they're going to actually make him do that but I think it is something that like could theoretically in the best version of Walker make him a really unique uh force up front which is again I don't really trust the Jaguars to actually get that out of any player um let alone someone as raw as Walker but we'll see I guess
0: yeah, let's be honest. You do not take edge rushers number one overall. So you can drop them So coverage. you can drop right. Asking <laughs> and you want him to rush fans,
3: the passer. Ask
0: any Denver Patton fan how they felt whenever Von Miller dropped into coverage.
2: Yes. You could cover the slot receiver for a few downs, the Mike Patton defense. I can't wait to see it.
0: Um What do we think obviously look the big, the biggest surprise. I don't know if the biggest surprise was Cole strange or the veteran trades, but I honestly think given the importance of the players, the veteran trades were the biggest surprise. So what is everybody's take on AJ Brown and Marquise Brown, all the Browns getting traded? Um, I think the, the biggest surprise for me is, uh, it's clear that the Marquise Brown trade was actually in the works for a while because they had actually flown Marquise Brown out to Phoenix yes. and they didn't announce it until he could appear at the Arizona Draft Party. But when the the Eagles trade took place right afterwards, it looked like the Eagles had completely stolen A.J. Brown from the Titans. Right. Or or, or more accurately the Cardinals had given up too much. Not that the Eagles stole A.J. Brown, but that compared to that trade, the Cardinals yeah. gave up too much for Marquise Brown.
2: That's very Cardinals thing to do, is to give it more than they really need to for another wide receiver for their Madden team, which is, I think is what they're assembling out there in Arizona. Uh, but the details of the, you know, uh, uh, Tron Davenport posted a lot of the details, A.J. Brown on the Titans side of things. and They were coming in at about $20 million a year in a world where, again, I was at $28 million a year is about what the, the super high guys are. And you can say, well, Brown should come in a tier below Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill. I, I'd agree. Well, 8 million a year is not a tier.
0: No, it's he came low. in a tier below. He's now the fourth highest paid wide receiver in the game. That's a tier below
2: at 25, not 20. And so I don't know what the Titans were thinking there. Um, Eagle, here in Eagles country, folks are happy. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him. I'll look at the cap numbers down the road. They're probably kind of ugly. But right now you got to develop Jalen Hurts. You got a guy who you know you can bring in, plug and play. You're not worried about the James, uh, Jameson Williams injuries. You're not worried about these other things. So it's
0: a good move for the Eagles as they try to project forward for
2: the next year or two.
0: I mean, I think I know what the Titans were thinking in that they have a lot of cap costs. And the idea is that the hope is that Traylon Burks can be 80 or 85% of the player that AJ Brown is for a lot, a lot less money. The problem is I think Brian Knowles put up the family guy meme where Peter Griffin says, <laughs> sure, the boat is a boat but the <laughs> mystery box. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of the idea with Trelon Burks is that in the best case scenario, he's A.J. Brown. The difference between that and the meme is that Traylon Burks comes with a lot less money.
1: Exactly. I mean, there was a lot of talk about how Traylon Burks was kind of uh, very similar in terms of, you know, his style of play to A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel. Um, You know, this is definitely, I think you said, it's the price that you pay when you you know, sign Ryan Tannehill, who we believe can be like probably at his best, above average quarterback, like in the Derek Carr realm at best. And Derek um, yeah. <laughs> and Derek Henry, they're paying a Henry, And they're paying yeah. Derek yeah, Henry, I mean... Bud Dupree, Harold Landry. You know, the, the the birds come to roost. I mean, and and they paid Julio Jones a bunch of money to not play for them now. So sometimes these are the casualties of poor decision making from the past. And so. Yeah, I can it makes a lot of sense. And I think people have been talking more and more and more about how, you know, drafted there's a lot of wide receivers in this draft class that are good players. And you can replace these uh kind of older, more established players with similar players who are cheaper. And so I called it in my mock draft the other day, the Christian Kirk effect, uh, when I was not really my mock draft, my risers and fallers article when I was talking about Jamison Williams. Um but, yeah, I mean, the wide receivers went early and often in this draft, and I think that's a reaction to some of the market forces that are out there.
2: Yeah. And, and, and Grouch is just talking about, you know, historically decent front office, Ravens, Chiefs, Packers, and the Titans have no problem trading away elite receivers. They have a problem trading away elite wide receivers. They're not happy with what they're doing. This was not the Chiefs marching out there saying, ha-ha, we see him market in, in this, you know, inefficient. It's trade Tyreek Hill or the Titans saying, hey, Jay Brown, oh, we can get a guy like him in the draft. This was, Devontae Adams signed a big deal. Tyreek Hill was in the market for a deal and said, I want that or nothing. The Chiefs were strained, maxed out. They had to move. The Titans were like, uh, A.J. Brown's like, I want something almost like that. The Titans were like, we're strained. We have to move. So what you're seeing is very good franchises who are maxed out against the cap, having to trade away a resource. Not necessarily them saying, aha, this is like 4D chess, and we just know we can replace a guy with a guy. I I think most of these teams would be happy to, have done it differently if the, uh, the the Packers hadn't started things off.
0: There, there's a little bit of an argument that Brown and Brown are less important to the Ravens and Titans because they run such run-first offensive schemes. The, the awkward part of that is so did the Eagles, or at least so did the Eagles last year. Yeah. Um, I, the Marquise Brown thing is sort of based on the idea that he will be better in Arizona that Arizona will, that the scheme will fit him better and that he will work better with Kyler Murray and they will sort of unlock his speed in a way that it was not unlocked with Baltimore. I don't know. Mike's facial e- expressions are suggesting uh, that he does not buy that argument.
1: What? <laughs> the college <laughs> I mean, teammates, the college teammate argument. Yeah. You know? That's great. The, yeah. That's the narrative. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure how to respond to that.
2: I, I, I First of all, he's going to be, what, the number three target there?
0: I um, mean, I think he's, yeah, either two or three, Rondale Moore. Right, with Ron his money, or number, two, his number two. A.J. Green bumps down now. I think A.J. Green, it's now wide receiver four, and this is probably his last season.
2: Right, and 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 you can say, well, you know, the Greg Roman scheme can be very tough on a wide receiver, and I agree with that 100%. Here's what's going to be happening. A.J. Green is going to do nothing but run up the right sidelines and catch sideline routes because that's all he'll be asked to do. Everything will be funneled between the you know, dot dots Uh, to DeAndre Hopkins, and Marquise Brown's just going to do the Rondell Moore stuff. So it's not like this is some brilliant scheme. It's what they always do. I'm sure it'll be better than Rondell Moore, but I'm not sure. There's only so many targets to go around. They still have Kyler Murray, who they're not totally satisfied with, and the Cardinals haven't solved a lot of other problems at other other places on the field. I, I don't get it.
3: I'm probably projecting here and this might be a little reckless. I think he probably just didn't like blocking. I mean, that's something he's probably not going to have to do nearly as much in Arizona um, because a lot of Arizona's run game, the advantages that they're getting are they're just spreading you out and they're using Kyler Murray's legs as like an extra number. Whereas Baltimore, a lot of what they're doing is they're condensing everything. They're mucking everything up with all their extra tight end bodies and receivers and trying to get blockers kind of like what the Rams do um, in a different package. So I think it's entirely possible he just – I think he even mentioned he didn't like the run-first offense, so I think it's entirely possible he just wanted to be in an offense that was more spread, spread to pass, wide open, that sort of deal. And then also, like Benjamin said, with his college quarterback again, so that probably doesn't hurt.
0: I would like to give him props for not turning this into a big media circus, whereas a lot of the other wide receivers, everybody had to whine and spread rumors, like Hollywood Brown just did this on the slide.
2: And and Debo being super cryptic and not telling anybody anything. And then going on Instagram once in a while, there's a lot of stories out there, but no one knows the truth. Of course not, because you started the stories and didn't tell us anything. (laughs) Of course that's what's happening. You made that happen.
1: I was surprised at the price because, you know, I can't believe that there's kind of similar prices in terms of the draft compensation. And A.J. Brown is a much more established wide receiver than Marquise Brown is, much more valuable. So I was surprised – when I heard about the Hollywood Brown trade and I was even more surprised when I heard about the AJ Brown trade. And so to me, yeah, that, that was the most confusing part. Um, you know, the Eagles still have a lot of draft capital for this year and next year, you know, their trade ups. I was a little confused because it's kind of a, a little bit against the grain of what they normally did, but they traded up for Jordan Davis and they made this trade for AJ Brown. And so Jordan Davis is a special player. A.J. Brown is a special player. So they came away with two players, and luckily they have a lot of draft compensation, and they've turned this Carson Wentz trade into a bunch of different draft capital that they've now turned into some established good players. So I think as an Eagles fan, you have to be excited. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, speaking of the friends, I mean, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown went to high school together. I mean, they know each other from way back when. So, you know, we're pairing friends with friends, and hopefully everyone gets along, but I think this goes a long way to, you know, helping – with the evaluation of Jalen Hurts because next year Eagles have to make a decision. Is this the guy we want to stick with? Is this a guy we want to jettison and perhaps use our draft capital that we've accumulated to get another quarterback. So it's uh, i think it was good for them to get an established player who we know can be good um, so that you can make that evaluation of Hurts even more certain. Yeah.
0: Agreed. And Patrick Seeley asks the Ravens to please draft big wide receivers who can block and then suggests Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry can be yours for the low, low price of a seventh round pick. In 2028. (laughs) (laughs) He is available. Very, very available. Um, we, we we uh, somebody earlier had posted something about me uh, drinking the Kool-Aid with a uh, state of denial about Bill Belichick's mistakes on draft night. Trust me, I am not in any kind of state. Uh, I of-
3: think Aaron has been very vocal about yeah. some of the mistakes he's made before.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, it just keeps I'm working not- out anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into this in a second here, but I, I'm not a big fan of the, um, like, let's draft guys three rounds before their generally accepted draft position strategy. It right. didn't work for the Raiders and it hasn't worked for the Patriots. Either. Very well. right. um, so I had everybody pick a winner and a loser of who they thought did a really good job last night and who did an iffy job. So let's start with the first round winners and Benjamin, we will start with you. Who is your first round winner?
1: I had the Kansas city chiefs as my first round winner. And that's just based solely on, my grinding the mocks draft capital over expected metric. So the two players that the Kansas city chiefs drafted were Washington cornerback, Trent McDuffie um, who I thought would go a bit earlier and they traded up with the Patriots. So that was one of the things I agree. The Patriots did well to uh, you know get more draft capital uh, later on in the draft. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. They'll still have players that they probably like later on. And it turns out that, you know, they could have, they could have had their, their, we'll talk more about that later. Um, but then I also really liked uh, their second draft pick, which was Purdue edge rusher, George Karloftis. Um, yeah. And so to me, everyone had their eyes set on them to get a wide receiver. They must have seen what everyone else saw, which is that the wide receivers that they were potentially in the market for uh, went much earlier than expected. And so they decided to kind of, hey, we can fill in with these other players that are really good that have fallen down the boards. Like I said, Trent McDuffie was my third cornerback um, you know, he ended up going way later after all the other cornerbacks did. Um, but I thought that was really prudent. And then Karloftis, you know, had a kind of interesting draft process. He was kind of one of my big followers after the combine kind of stabilized like mid late. I think Arizona was a, a, a viable destination for him. I had him as 31 to the Bengals. So he almost made it to the Bengals. I thought that would have been lovely for them, but Frank Clark is, you know, on the, on the way out in terms of contract and hasn't been as productive. Karloftis, Proven college production, pretty athletic, tested well enough at its pro day. Not as flexible, shorter arms, but still a solid player, I think can play into the, the pass rush for this year. So I mean, I, had, I had
0: Mike Dana on our expected starting lineups list. I had Mike Dana as their other defensive end opposite yeah. Frank Clark. So this is an upgrade. Definitely. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I loved the Karloch this pick. I think it was actually my favorite pick of the entire evening um i to me he's just a top 10 player he's so explosive for a guy his size and i think truthfully with as much as they liked melvin ingram last year and what uh, some of the stuff they were able to do with him i really like Karloftis kind of slotting into that that style of role and then obviously you know he, he's a lot younger and, and more explosive than current melvin ingram so i just love the fit and then um, mcduffie too you know i wasn't as um familiar with mcduffie i didn't watch him quite as much as i did Karloftis but it just makes so much sense for what they do schematically
2: yeah. I liked it. I like to remember at wide receiver, they did bring Juju in Scott Spratt was here. He was trying lobbying to get Juju over to Carolina uh, for some of that great USC action. Temple Owls are everywhere, Scott, uh, but, uh, so, and then they brought in uh, Vada Scantling. So they do have some things in Kansas city. So they could address some other needs at, in the first round.
0: Derek, your winner from the first round of the draft. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I went uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I mean, Kyle Hamilton, before he ran his 40, uh, he some people thought that he might be just the best football player in the class. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that somehow that guy would fall to the Ravens because it seems like that happens every time. Um, but I really like the pairing of Hamilton with Marcus Williams, a safety, because Hamilton is a guy he can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, but he's really good playing like a split half, being able to you know get depth while also being able to come forward. Um, you know, play the run, play screens, tackle all that jazz. And then he covers fairly well. He can match up with tight ends. He can handle running backs out of the, out of the backfield and stuff. So I think him in that Mike McDonald defense with Marcus Williams, being able to center field is an unbelievable pairing. And then they also get Tyler Linderbaum, another guy who before the combine seemed like he was going to go a lot higher than he obviously did. Um, just kind of another Ravens pick where they just get a very good football player to fall to them. I think They had issues along the offensive line um, at most spots last year. And so to be able to get a Linderbaum in there, I think makes a lot of sense for them.
2: Yeah. The only reason they weren't my winners is because they had to give up Marquise Brown to get some of this, but I still love what they did.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because it's a good debate about the quality of players versus positional value, because you can very much argue that a quality of player wise that the Ravens might've gotten two of top 10 players, right. but they got them at less important positions as far as position value. But I think it ends up working out well for them. They definitely needed the center. I mean, they were big, they had safeties, but you know, Hamilton sets them up there for years and years. So um, yeah, I like what the Ravens did as well. It's in, uh, contrast
1: to, it's in contrast to what the giants did who ended up with two hmm. of the best players in the draft at some of the most important positions outside of quarterback. Yeah. yeah, well, that yeah.
0: gets us to Mike's first-round winner. Mike's first-round winner was? The G-Men, the Mighty
2: Giants, saying good things about a Giants draft. We're in uncharted territory. We're through the looking glass here, people. And Benjamin brought it up right here where you, you bring in uh, Thibodeau and Sauce Gardner. And the real winners were Thibodeau the guys. And Neil, of- you mean. Evan, Evan Neil? Evan, Evan Neal, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry, I got the Jets guys mixed in there. Uh, you, bring, you know what? You got me thrown off there it was the back pages of all those tabloids where they said things like <laughs> because they had to put them all together. And, and, uh, but yeah, you have Evan Neal, exactly. And Thibodeau, and you're bringing in possibly the best player, possibly the best player on both sides of the ball at tackle at edge rusher in those positions. And this was a team that I think was 31st in defensive adjusted line yards, 31st in offensive adjusted line yards, very low in sack rate. They need these guys And they sit and they fall to them. So instant upgrades, easy peasy on both sides of the ball. And you can start the process of rebuilding this team from the trenches out.
0: It's interesting. The Giants have said, I think they're going to start Neal at right tackle. Because they have the guy, Andrew Thomas, is that who they picked Mm -hmm. a couple years ago at left tackle? I don't know how long that'll last or if they'll switch at some point, but.
3: I, I truthfully think thomas has kind of come on you know he was really really bad when he got drafted like he was horrendous. first. Yeah, he was really really bad as a, as a rookie yeah as a rookie he was not good but i think he actually kind of turned it on last year you know neil probably is a, a better prospect but i don't know if they can if they can get away with both of those guys at the bookend, i think that's that's pretty really good for them
2: yeah he can play right neil can play right i think as a rookie it'll be the yeah. same thing oh my god the adjustment the first couple of weeks of camp and then by september he's playing at a pretty high level
3: well, Neil speak- also already played right in college, so That's that right. shouldn't even be that much. And guard. For him. And guard, yeah. He can yeah. pretty much do whatever they want. Speaking
0: of the New York tabloids, my winner is the New York Jets. Um, normally, I'm not a big fan of trading up, but I think that, and when I, we're going to learn when I pick my loser, <laughs> but the Jets moving from 35 to 26, I feel like they didn't give away too much. They gave away a fifth round pick, and they moved down from 69 to 101, but but I feel like that that was a like a more reasonable trade up, and they filled needs. Yes, like I don't think their wide receiver need was as bad as some people seem to feel that it was. But Garrett Wilson is a really top wide receiver from this draft. Absolutely needed a cornerback. Sauce Gardner is a fantastic pick, mm-hmm. and um, they really 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 have needed an edge rusher for years and years and years and they ended up with a guy who you know if you believe what like uh, Charles uh, Robinson from um, Yahoo was saying he said he was talking to people in front offices and that the front offices didn't have uh, Jermaine Johnson anywhere near as high as the outside media did but he still looks like a pretty good value at 26. So I, I think to pick up the three first rounders, like, look, hopefully it works out well for them. And we're not talking in four years about how the jets (laughs) didn't pick up the fifth year option on any of their first rounders. But I think, I think that that's a really good value and need combined draft for the jets.
3: Right. I agree. And, and like the Johnson trade up in particular one. Yeah. They didn't really give up a whole lot to get to to 26. I think it was. Um, And then also, at least in my opinion, Johnson and then uh Ebiketti, Arnold Ebiketty, who hasn't been drafted yet, are like the last two of that tier of edge rusher. Yeah. So I kind of get them wanting to go up and make sure that they could get that guy before he potentially right. before both potentially came off the board at uh, Kar- Karlaftis the was 35. still
0: available too. So they were sort oh, of the true. last right, right, three right. of that. Right, right. They could have taken Karlaftis instead of Johnson, but um they definitely wanted one of those guys. And they they got the one they wanted and 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 they didn't really give up that much to do. No. Mm -hmm.
1: Johnson is an older player I will say there were a mix of players who are on the older side of things including Cole Strange who's 24 um but yeah like Johnson has been around you know he started off at junior college and then went to Georgia and then went from Georgia to Florida State and so he's at the senior bowl so yeah that's the main thing I would say that was kind of a little bit of a nick was that yeah like Johnson's good he's just 23
0: Speaking of the Giants, by the way, Scott Spratt points out, Andrew Thomas, according to the SIS charting, 6.8% blown block rate as a rookie, 2.5% last year. So there's your coming on in his second year, staying at left tackle with Evan Neal at right tackle. Okay, let's pick losers from the first round, and we'll start with Benjamin. Benjamin's loser from the first round is? The New England Patriots. I mean, I think I had to. I mean,
1: so, like I said, uh, I really liked their draft last year. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was quite good. Mac Jones, and then they ended up with Christian Barmore in the second. You know, yeah, it, I, I liked it. This year, Cole Strange is a top five reach in the grinding the mocks era when it comes to my draft capital over expected metrics. And so, you know, number one was you know Cleveland Farrell, who we talked about. But you know, this is a top five. He was, I think, in the early third round or so in my early mid third round in my data. And so this is kind of corroborated as well by some of the, like, for example, the Arif Hasan athletic consensus, big boards out there. Um, this is a massive reach. you um, like we said, I mean, it, it's even confirmed by the Rams that they thought he might be available in the third or fourth round. And I think that was fair. Um, you know, I additionally just said he's 24 years old. So he's on the older side from a lower level of competition. He was at UT Chattanooga Um Even the teams that have done this strategy like really well, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Ali Marpet, you know, he's not a guy you normally think of, (laughs) you know, Um, and then Alex Kappa, uh, they drafted those guys much later. Um, I think that's the blueprint they see and I can understand it, but value wise, I can't get along with it. Like I said, top five reach in the grinding the Mucks era when it comes to draft capital over expected, just burning um, that draft capital after making that trade with the chiefs to get extra picks later on.
0: they're trying to make this Logan Mankins. Logan Mankins was similar. I think Logan Mankins was a little older, although not. I mean, Cole Strange was like a sixth-year senior because of COVID. And Mankins also was not expected to go in the first round, and they took him at the end of the first round. And so in that way, I think they're trying to make that similar. But I'm just – I mean, I believe in Belichick's ability to identify talent I mean, I I don't know if it's that much better than anyone else's. I mean, we know all the studies have shown it is very hard to show that anybody consistently beats the average as far as the draft. But, um, you know, look, he's done a good job identifying talent in the past. I just, I don't think he's good. And he's good at trading down. I'm a big fan of the trading down. But he just has this habit of doing what the Raiders have also done for years, which is drafting guys way earlier than expected. And I just think they could have taken someone else like Nicobe Dean and there's a 90 to 95% chance that Cole Strange would have still been there at 54. And I know that the Patriots have said, Belichick said in his press conference, he doesn't believe that's the case. Right. He, he did this because he thought someone was going to take Strange within a few picks. So agreed. Let them decide. do that. Let them do that. Let them, right. Um, right I mean, let it's him also go.
1: hard, it's hard to say how much of the success of some of these picks that they've made in the past is directly related to having Tom freaking Brady on your team as well. Like and we saw it in the the offseason, not was it last year where they went ham because of all the bad selections they'd made on the roster.
0: Right.
1: And the free agency moves they made last year weren't even that good. So I mean, when you when you miss in the draft, when they've done what they've done over the years, having that elite quarterback can paper over some of the inconsistencies. Yeah. I mean, having um, but Tom over time it doesn't work. That-
0: doesn't lead to you doing things like finding J.C. Jackson as an undrafted free agent. But when the Patriots have done this, when they've drafted guys two or three rounds before their generally accepted position, it generally has not worked well. Like Tavon Wilson is the example that I'm thinking of, where he just didn't live up to the second-round pick. Uh, Jordan Richards uh, didn't live up to the second-round pick. Like, they've done this before where they've taken guys two or three rounds too early, and they they don't tend to live up to that position.
2: Cole Strange was third team All-FCS. Third team All-FCS All-American. How can you doubt this?
0: (laughs) Patrick Seeley mentions Kyle Duggar. I think Kyle Duggar was also drafted a little bit before people expected, and he has so far been successful. But not this much before. Duggar was yeah. a second rounder who was thought yes. to be a third. This is a first rounder who was thought to I be a third. I brought
1: this up too because Jim Nagy had tweeted about it and said, Hey, look, Kyle Duggar, and I looked up in my data, Kyle Duggar was expected to go at the end of the second round, early third round. Instead he went at the beginning of the second round. Not as big of a reach at all, especially with you know, with the pick where it's not even the same. It's not and, the same.
2: And and Duggar had buzz. We were all had, we're sniffing. We all spotted him at the senior bowl. Nagy's talking about it. We were there at the senior bowl. Was, oh, D- D- Duggar, he can play. Let's go back. Let's find the film. Let's find out his story. Strange was there at the senior bowl. I'm like, oh, there's a guy for very quiet, Very quiet. You know, yeah. I, no, he wasn't Ali Marpet. Ali Marpet blew it up in that situation. You know, I, again, I was there. Like, we're all talking about Ali Marpet and everything. Strange was just a guy in that situation. So, you know.
0: All right, Derek, someone asked earlier about your opinion of the Steelers taking uh, Mr. Pickett. So uh, let's bring it on.
3: Uh, very bad. Uh, I just I, I said this, Ooh. you know, on our, our live show or whatever we were doing yesterday that just there were only two quarterbacks that I could have conceivably drafted in the, drafted in the first round. And that was Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis. And I thought they would have been in on both of those players. Turns out when given all three options, they decided to go for a guy who like might be quarterback four to me. I mean, I just mm-hmm. Pickett is a 24 year old who started 50 games and his processing is just super inconsistent. Um, and he doesn't have like particularly great tools, where at least you know Willis is kind of inconsistent, but you can sell yourself on the fact that he has like A plus tools across the board. Pickett's more like B minus, which is good enough, but not something that you get too excited about. So I I just think he caps out as like a very average player and I'm worried if he's ever going to get there. So not that taking a quarterback in the first round is great process in this class in general, but I think even a step beyond that, they took the wrong one. So I just not a fan. I'm a fan. Oh, I'm, no.
1: a, I'm a, 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 a Pitt <laughs> alum. So I'm very biased and I say that outright. Um, one thing I'll say analytically pro football focus came out with their completion percentage over expected numbers for this draft class. And Pickett was by far and away the guy who was the most accurate relative to the kinds of passes he was attempting. Um, And so I think the NFL was supposedly all about traits. And if they were all about traits, then one would have expected Willis to go a lot higher. And so to me, it speaks to the fact that even with his traits, everything else about him and maybe some of the needs of some of the teams, you know, they don't view him as the the top quarterback in this class. They didn't they must they they're very down on this quarterback class completely, you know, which aligns with some of the projections that football outsiders put out that I I thought really spoke to that. To me, Kenny Pickett has the best accuracy. And the other thing about the Steelers is they think they're competitive. So, you want them to stick someone back into the offense, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett, who knows, we'll see. But yeah, like to me, Kenny Pickett is is the most ready to play right now and the league thought of him much higher than they thought of Willis and Ritter. Completely, the, all the Ritter uh, heat was, he was a high riser in my draft my draft data and it's a totally kaput. I'm not sure, I don't think he'll go first. I think Willis will still go first uh, today.
3: I actually do think uh, Pickett has great accuracy. I'll give him that. I just am very concerned about him getting to the right target to be accurate. <laughs> I guess <laughs> is my problem. Like for, for me, it's just, in how many worlds is he actually better than the guy that's starting ahead of him right now? That's it. That's I, what I don't think them. very. I think many. he's
1: better than. I think he's better than in, in many of them. I mean, yeah, I, I I think it's fair to say that.
2: But but you kind of said it a minute ago, Benjamin. Whether it's Trubisky or whether it's Pickett, that's not a great place to start <laughs> your springboard uh, with with a rookie quarterback. It's like, well, you know, he could be about as good as the guy we just grabbed off the scrap heap.
1: That, but it's also about development. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, like these things happen. But you know. This, the, last year, the Patriots drafted Mac Jones and had Cam Newton on the roster, and we didn't know who was going to start there. You know, Mac Jones was fine. In fact, he was probably the best quarterback last year of the rookies. And so I think we need to be a little bit more tamped down on some of our evaluations post draft. Like, I don't think, I think last year, a lot of the people on the stream were deriding this Mac Jones pick, and it turns out he might be the best quarterback in the class. It's very early, but still, I mean, I think returns on picket could be a lot better. Like I said, the Steelers are much more on kind of win now. So.
0: All right, Mike, your loser from the first night. The Green Bay Packers, who
2: once again did their weird, creepy, tantric denial of Aaron Rodgers' desperate need for a wide receiver. This time, no more Devontae Adams. So you let Devontae Adams walk, and what do you replace him with? A three-tech tackle and an off-ball linebacker. Yes, that's how you're going to stay at the top. That's how you're going to keep Aaron Rodgers from just becoming a podcaster, by going out there with off-ball linebacker Quay uh, Quay Walker and three-tech tackle, good ball player, obviously, and Devontae Wyatt, and a wide receiver core consisting of Sammy Watkins, Allen Lazard, Amari Rodgers, Juwan Winfrey, the guy whose name I've forgotten, and whoever you grab in round two off the heat. Randall Cobb, me. baby. Oh, Same they got oh, oh, Randall's there. So Rogers is okay because his buddy Randall's there. But inexplicable. Now I know I, I saw some Packers Twitter people saying there's value in the second round, and we got these guys. And if we picked at the at the picks we are we were at, you know, the run had happened. You know, Williams and Alave and all those guys were off the board, so we would not have gotten a a, a first round talent at the bottom of the board. You could trade up, guys. Pay Packers. You could trade up. You could have trade up. You could have put yourself in position to get the Olave You needed the, maybe the Drake London, although maybe he went too high that you needed. You could have gotten those guys. You chose not to, and I don't understand what your offense is going to look like in 2022 when you're supposed to be a Super Bowl contender.
0: My only criticism of that is I'm just not a big fan of trading up in general. Okay. So I do understand <clears throat> the idea of the value of sticking back taking guys that you felt were good value at the end of the first round, maybe trading up in the second instead. I don't know, getting the receiver. But you're absolutely right. They need a receiver. They they need one. They need one. And I'm not sure where they're picking uh,
2: today and who's going to be there at that point. I'm looking at my second round right now. And they are down at the 21st pick today. Yeah. And then another one at 27. Sky Moore could be gone. Christian Watson could be gone by then. And
1: I don't know who you're taking. I have five wide receivers that I have mocked in the second round. You brought up Sky Moore from Western Michigan, Mm -hmm. Christian Watson from North Dakota State, George Pickens from Georgia. If they want another Georgia player, they can go three for three Georgia players. Be good. Um, And then I also have Alec Pierce from Cincinnati and John Mechie from Alabama, all options uh, for them. But I think, yeah, we'll see. But I think this is something that Packers insiders had said was long in the cards that they didn't expect them to go and change their tendency. Just like the Eagles didn't break their tendency – on linebacker hmm. or on a cornerback or on safety the packers didn't break their tendency on wide receiver
0: C- ccx3 says i think ross watson or pickens are more their taste anyway but taking uh lloyd over Loftus is curious are you talking about the packers taking walker over Carl yeah
1: yeah
2: yeah walker over carloftis walker over dean yeah Uh, You know, there's a lot there. But I agree. I mean, if Pickens is sitting there, obviously you get him and you kind of got to win there. Pickens isn't sitting there the 21st pick tonight. Someone's going to grab him.
0: My my loser is speaking of trading up and down. My loser was the New Orleans Saints, because between the pick, the trade they made with the Eagles before the draft. And the trade that they made to move up from 16 to 11, essentially they traded a 2023 first, a 2024 second, and a third and a fourth this year just to move up from like 19 to 11 to get Chris Olave, who is good, but is he better than Tre'Lon Burks? I mean, I guess he's a different type of player, and Burks sort of duplicates what you already have with Michael Thomas, but – um it's a lot of draft capital to give up, to move up. So you have to, I mean, and one of the things we talk about in the analytics world is if there's one lesson to learn from the draft, it's that you are not as sure as you think you are and you are not as good at scouting as you think you are. And you've got to price in the variability. And I just feel like the saints trading all that draft capital to move up eight spots is like, you're really kicking gamble that you are just way smarter than everyone else.
1: Kind to compare You know, Olave and Jahan Dotson from Penn State, the wide receiver that the commanders took with that same pick, I think that'll be interesting comparison to make for the rest of their careers, because like you said, I think you're, you're spot on. You don't know as much as you think you do.
3: I think they were really, really upset they couldn't go up and get Charles Cross. I, I think that's what they really wanted to do with these picks. And then it just kind of came to a point where they were like, well, the receivers are starting to come off the board. We have to trade for Olave. I don't really like trading up for him even, that high, even though I, I like Olave. I'm honestly more pressed they took Trevor Penning. I, I don't think the Penning pick was, was was very good at all. I don't know if it really solves anything for them this year. Because the whole thing with Penning, even if you like him, He's kind of a project, right? But it, yeah. the way they're building this team and going about things, they seem to think they're ready to compete. It just seems like an odd mix of, of player and, and
0: I mean, I think they're ready to compete. I'm Just to give you a little preview, everybody a little preview of football outsiders' projections, system likes Winston. The system doesn't think the offense is going to fall off as much as you expect. The system thinks the defense is still reasonably good. The Saints are still competitive.
2: The, the system thinks they're playing the Falcons and Panthers four times. So they are
0: playing four time, no.
1: yeah. I don't know. They're they're they were so hard to watch last year, even not as much with James, but so hard without him. i I think even Andy Dalton. Yeah, I just I wish they had a better option with upside at quarterback. We'll see if they let Jameis
0: really. Understand I feel like Winston is the option with upside. Winston.
1: You How much know, upside? How
0: much I think to me, except for the one thirty interceptions year, which was, I think which Winston has on his history.
3: I think Winston has pretty decent upside. The thing, is the, the biggest problem to me with the offense last year was they couldn't open it up at all. They didn't have anybody who could take the top off, and you know, trading up everything they did for Olave, you know, that's one thing. But what Olave can do is he can open up the, you know, he can open up the field. He can take the top off, and I think Jameis Winston truthfully needs a player like that to make his entire shtick as a quarterback work. So I again I don't really love the value of going up for Olave, but it kind of solves the problems they had on offense, especially if Michael Thomas is coming back and, and gonna be what we assume that he is going to be again.
0: But he uh-huh. another wide receiver too. They need oh they still
3: one. need another one absolutely yeah. their their room is bad.
0: Mike <laughs> you guys aren't buying Marquez Callaway.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not no I don't think maybe, we're gonna, I think we saw that last time. year. Michael yeah, Thomas
2: has been watching $28 million contracts fly off the board this year, by the way, Will he, play? he has been keeping his eye on that. My commercial that the new Orleans saints are $257 million in expenditures <laughs> for next year. If the cap was the same, they'd already be $30 million over the cap for next year um, that they did all of their voodoo that they could possibly do this year. And they're going to be running out of voodoo next year to do these things. So what would they really have needed? Some third round picks, some mid-round picks, et cetera, et cetera. That's all the stuff that they've been trading away to do this. So on the one hand, if you say they got two good players to solve two problems, they potentially opened up two or three holes they will not be able to fill in future years.
1: Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks that the Rams are the FM picks team. It's actually the Saints. Yeah. The Rams still make lots of picks. The Saints right. don't. The Saints are the real uh, FM picks team.
0: The Rams trade their top picks for veterans. Mm-hmm. The Saints trade their mid-round picks for top picks just to move up three spots right right and then everybody uh, until
2: 2029
0: 20, yeah <laughs> all right let's go over the best available players for tonight for rounds two and rounds three i'm going to bring up the best available players according to the fo40 and ben you can uh comment here about where grinding the mocks may have some of these players but these are the best players left from the fo40 Uh, Malik Willis is our top guy left. I mean, I think we're all really surprised he didn't go in the first round. Nakobe Dean, uh, who I know Derek absolutely loves. Logan Hall, who we also wrote about. Trey McBride, that's the tight end, who's the the number one tight end by far in our new Travis projections. David Ojabo, really talented edge rusher with an injury. And then uh, safety Jalen Pitre, defensive tackle Perrion Winfrey, Linebacker Chad Muma from Wyoming, uh, Boye Mafe, who's an edge rusher from Minnesota, and Jaquan Brisker, who is a safety from Penn State. Those are our best players available.
1: Yeah, Malik Willis is definitely the top player left on my board as well. Um, I had him as the fifteenth or sixteenth player um, in the draft. So. You know, when you look at who's picking, I mean, I think Tennessee is a decent spot for him. I think it potentially could be an upgrade. I think, you know, they could draft any of the other quarterbacks as well. Um, But, yeah, a lot of these guys were all second-round guys for me. Uh, Boye Mafe is probably the the next highest player on my list. I had N'Kobe Dean at 36, Logan Hall at 39. I had uh, David Ojabo at 42. Mm -hmm. So these are all kind of second-round guys that are left. Uh, So this, this makes sense. This is a solid group of players I would expect Willis to be the first, but maybe he falls further than we even think. I'm not sure what his floor is at this point. I think we're all kind of, uh, you know, searching for for answers there.
2: Seahawks pick back to back. I think eighth and ninth tonight. Oh yeah, good call. Mm
0: -hmm. Good call. I think they got to come away
2: with one, or somebody's going to call them. uh, Seems rational. Give it to me. You know, the Panthers call. They
0: they either got to come away with a quarterback, or they got to trade for Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the Seahawks being rational is another storyline here that's really interesting i think people were expecting <laughs> them to do something really really crazy and everyone said charles cross oh my gosh that yeah. like that makes so much sense charles cross was my eighth ranked player so you know <laughs> we'll see we'll see what happens but uh, maybe there's a, a little bit of a change there in seattle we'll see we'll see i'm excited for that
0: it, it's interesting how far Nakobe Dean can fall. I realize he's undersized, but God, there's such a history of undersized linebackers. And I tweeted it out after Derek wrote film room about him. He's not far off in size from like Derek Brooks or right.
3: Eric Kendricks. He's like the same um, size as Levante David.
0: I yeah. mean, he, he's slightly smaller, maybe an inch, maybe five or six pounds. Like he's not, he's not, You know he's the exact same size as Zach Thomas was.
2: Right.
3: And my thing with with Dean is like, you know, you would think a smaller player like this, if they're gonna, you know, have problems, you're gonna be seeing them just getting, you know, a guard is gonna get their hands on him and just completely clobber him, take him out of the play.
2: Right.
3: That happens every now and then, but like not at all to the the degree that should be having him falling. Like truthfully, I think the way that he actually like bends and fights through contact Mm -hmm. is pretty remarkable for a guy his size. So. I think it's kind of absurd that he's fallen this far. Um, I, you know, to me, he's the best linebacker in the class. Um, a, a little shocking to me that he went. I mean, I guess just in terms of body type, it's not that shocking that Walker and Lloyd went ahead of him. But just in terms of film, I think Dean was the best player.
2: Yeah, I agree 100. percent And somebody's going to be very happy when they get Dean.
3: Yeah.
1: So fast, such great speed.
3: Yeah, like he when he triggers that that dude is <laughs> he, he's scary. He, he's <laughs> a scary ahead. little missile man.
0: So we also have a list of the top uh, fantasy players from our FO Fantasy 40, and very few fantasy players went. It was a chunk of the night where all the wide receivers got taken and the two veteran wide receivers got traded, and then Pickett got taken, and then that was that. That was pretty much that for fantasy-oriented players. So there's lots of fantasy-oriented players left over for tonight, starting with all the running backs. No running back (laughs) went in the first round. So Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller. Then we have Malik Willis. Then more running backs, James Cook and Tyler Beatty. Then Trey McBride, the tight end. Desmond River, George Pickens uh, as the best left wide receiver, uh, although some people may be partial to Sky Moore. Yeah. And then Greg Dulcich, the UCLA tight end with the great mustache. So <laughs> yeah. the question is, like, who's going to take a running back? Like, looking at the top teams uh, that have picks today, I'm like, I mean, Houston Texans. maybe, but, like, Houston Perfect. has so many other needs that why would they take a running back, right? And, right. like, you know, Tampa doesn't really need one. Minnesota, Tennessee doesn't need one. The Giants don't. Jets you know they have Michael Carter from last year. Bears don't. Seattle Falcons. doesn't really need one. I think the Falcons definitely do important. not need oh, please, one. Please, Falcons take one. That would be amazing. Falcons have Falcons are like the Houston Texans. They have a zillion needs. Yeah. Why would they take a running back? I mean, unless someone trades up, like you could definitely be going into like. It could, I don't it know, like the built. second half of the second round before you right. start talking about a running back. It might be the same way at tight end, too. There were, I think this was the
2: first time in history there were no running backs or tight ends taken in the first round. And yeah. as much as I love the talent at tight end, I love McBride, I like Dolchets, there's about a dozen other guys out there, I don't know who for whom it's a priority right now of all these other teams that are going to be grabbing those defenders that fell, grabbing quarterbacks, and grabbing receivers like Warren Pickens.
1: Yeah, I have uh, Brees Hall at 43 in my expected draft position yeah. rankings. So it still thinks that this is the way. I was a little surprised. You know, you had big time mock drafts. Daniel Jeremiah had the Buffalo Bills
0: going. Everybody thought the Bills were going to take a running back. They treated up for a cornerback. That's That's a meme. Eagles are to linebackers as Bills are to running backs.
2: Right. It's a meme. And we put them in the mock draft because we know we get engagement from Bills. So it's Bills fans. That's (laughs) what we're doing. I literally put the running back in there. If I don't mock you a running back, I mention a running back in the first sentence to get you guys worked up so you'll share it. That's What, what do you guys doing? think about
0: the Lions for Brees Hall? They don't, they don't pick
1: for a while. They'd have to trade up for him. I, they pick 46? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, that would be a lot of investment in second-round running backs, yes. though, because they already have DeAndre Swift. They had uh, Jamal... Uh, they still, still
3: Williams, have Jamal Williams you know, Jamal on Williams,
1: the Jamal Williams, who's fine. So, I don't know. I, that would be a surprise yeah. to me. And I saw someone else mention the Dolphins. They don't pick till like I don't know, 100 and whatever, and they only have like a few, very few picks in this class, so I doubt they take a running back as well. Um, so, but yeah, I think you're. Yeah, I think you were saying. Yeah, I think to me, I think it's. I think it's Houston potentially, or, or maybe they're uh, Atlanta.
2: Brian Knowles brought up the Dolphins. They 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 got Edmonds. They got somebody else at running back in the they have most now. I
1: think most yeah. no. and Chase Edmonds. Yeah.
2: yeah. As, and they need, I mean, they could do it. They need offensive line. Help. I, I don't necessarily see the Dolphins doing it. It probably is the, I could see it being the bills in the second round. I think that's something. They yeah. Do. It
0: could be the bills, but the bills with 57, not the bills with 23.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. CCX three says the logic for the lions is that they might be a bit out on Swift.
1: Hmm.
0: I think Hall might be more, maybe Campbell wants to break kneecaps. Hall might be more his kind of runner. <laughs>
2: Right, you take Brian Robinson later too, and just if he all he wants to do is run between the tackles and, and clobber people.
0: Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, the, these running backs, you know, the, we feel like they're going to have fantasy value, and, and yes. they probably are, but they're just there aren't a lot of really obvious places for them right now, and um. They're all probably going to be in timeshares. I, unless there's an injury to somebody, I can't foresee Houston. any of these rookie running backs being starters. Houston. In Houston, they would be. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I guess they'd have to compete with Marlon Mack. So, yeah, probably. Uh, Brian Knowles says the Dolphins got most dirt, but they're also importing the 49ers offense, and Shanahan disciples need their comforting third-round <laughs> running back.
1: <laughs> Who won't play?
2: therapy ther- ther- back.
0: The, yeah,
1: Ford, the, the 49ers. The front office is still there, so the it's 49ers. not as it's not like a wholesale change in the draft philosophy is as a as a foot there.
0: And the Dolphins would have to trade up, right? Because the Dolphins yes. don't have a pick now until the fourth round.
1: Yes. And so many of these guys, like Batty,
2: like Ricard White, who I like a lot, like for, those are the smaller guys. The bigger guys, like Tyler Algier out of um, BYU, they're all ro- rotation committee backs anyway. So like, you yeah, you're going to have later. fantasy value. It's going to be your daily fantasy. Oh, he's getting the start this week. He's hot or it's a keeper league type of thing, not, oh, he comes in and gets a Jonathan Taylor role right away.
0: Yeah. You'll have to look for who's in the position like Javante Williams, where they get yeah. drafted by the team, where the veteran they're sharing with is going to be a free agent. Well, Melvin's yeah. going to be then, back. And then Melvin yeah, Gordon gets signed Definitely. back anyway. And he <laughs> said At that, that I'm a bitter person who owns Javante Williams in a keeper league or anything. But. Melvin Williams, he, Melvin Gordon, he said that the
1: fantasy football people, he hears them and he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I am. I am a bitter Javante Williams owner. I will fully admit. Um,
1: oh, who
2: Okay. D-
0: the Dolphins can grab an alumnus from Mostert's school in round seven. <laughs>
2: where,
0: where did There's Mostert go? Fullback. Purdue.
1: Yes. It's Purdue.
2: Yeah. It's. T- Thank you, Todd. We got. We almost got through this without a Purdue reference. We already did. We <laughs> did. We, did. we, we left left. We've made it
0: this whole way without me talking about EJ Perry. So.
3: <laughs> I love who
2: By the way, I think they got a fullback. Already, I can't remember his name, but I'm certain the Dolphins grabbed the They fullback. signed
3: Ingold, right?
1: Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Allen, yeah, Ingold. Yeah, Alkengold. Yes,
2: yes, there we go. Ingold, yes. Good fullback
0: movement this offseason. Ingold, <laughs> and then Jacob Johnson replaced Ingold with the uh, Raiders. And so, if you're looking for a team to draft a fullback later today, the New England Patriots need one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it sounds like something they would do. So. <laughs> it does.
0: Doesn't it totally sound like something they would do? Yep. They're going to totally take Matt Ariza with the third round pick that they'd added from. Oh my God. I mean, I, 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 Hey, this,
1: this might be a hot take, but Matt Ariza might not be the first punter taken.
0: Oh, I know that's going to be Stonehouse. Uh, And that he might not even that, that some, some teams have, what's the name of the other guy? Jordan Stout from higher on their boards. Yes. Yep.
1: Yeah. I'd be surprised too, but maybe he's just too good. He's misunderstood.
0: Patrick Sealy <laughs> says the Patriots are not going fullback this year. Patrick, from your mouth to Bill Belichick's ear, I can only hope. <laughs> we thought they weren't going
1: guard in the first round. That was a third-round value, but they did. So
0: anything's possible. That's the draft. Um, they're going. They're going to go linebacker who converts to fullback. <laughs> ah. <laughs> a
2: special teamer for the next twelve years.
0: Yeah. All right, folks. That does it for our NFL Draft Week. Uh, Night one 2022 recap. Thank you all for watching the show. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for asking questions during the chat. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Ben Robinson, for giving us all kinds of good grinding the mocks data throughout the whole draft season, Derek and Mike, uh, thank you for all your awesome Tuesday draft shows. Uh, Splash play will be on at 2:30 with more round one breakdown. And then, Uh, Next week, uh, we'll be back on Thursday with offseason stuff, probably breaking down the rest of the draft and what it means for the rest of the offseason and the remaining free agents. And uh, yeah, until then, everybody enjoy nights two and day three, night two and day three of the draft, and we will see you next week. So long.